You're listening to the Influencer Podcast, episode number 107. If you tuned in to Influencer Insights episode number 38 earlier this week, you heard my spiel about money mindset and why it's so important to cultivate healthy money habits. Well, I learned a lot of those habits and strategies from some of the best, most savvy money gurus in the industry, and I'm talking to one of them today. Her incredible insight and knowledge really helped me redesign my relationship with money and overcome some huge limiting beliefs. Kate Northup is an entrepreneur, best-selling author, and mother who supports ambitious, motivated, and successful women to light up the world without burning themselves out in the process. Committed to empowering women and entrepreneurs to reclaim their time and energy, Kate is the creator of Origin Collective, a membership site where women from all over the world gather to achieve more while doing less. Her first book, Money, A Love Story, has been published in five languages, and her second book, Do Less, A Revolutionary Approach to Time and Energy Management for Busy Moms, just came out this month. Kate's work has been featured by The Today Show, Yahoo Finance, Women's Health, Glamour, and The Huffington Post, among more. On top of all of that, she's built a thriving business and podcast platform with her husband, Mike. Today, Kate joins me to talk about how to manage your mindset and create a life based on presence, meaning, and joy. This one is packed with so many aha moments, you do not want to miss even a second. Grab a notebook and let's get to it. Sonia McKinney is our reviewer of the week and she says, this is my first ever review of a podcast and I've listened to at least 50 plus. The first being Ariana Huffington's Thrive Podcast, Money Saving Mom, and now the Influencer Podcast. I subscribed on a whim, but so thankful that I did. Episode number 97 was my first one with the special guest, Kelly Tennant, and wow, such an engaging dialogue and very genuine and real, which is what I look for and enjoy listening to. Thank you and look forward to future listening. I subscribe to the newsletter as well. Awesome, Sonia. It is so amazing to have you here. I love it when I hear people who just kind of, whether it's a gut instinct or what it may be for you, they, on a whim, as you say, sign up for something. They give it a go. They try it out. They get curious. And all of this amazing stuff happens from it. You hear other guest stories. You connect um, maybe with some strategy that we're talking about. You find our newsletter, subscribe it to that. So I just want to thank you for being open and curious to that. And I also want to encourage that those of you listening right now that if you've ever been curious about something, I don't know, maybe it's an ebook that you've been wanting to download, but you haven't yet, or a webinar that you've wanted to watch, but you just haven't gotten around to it yet. This could maybe be your encouragement or reminder, if you will, to maybe do just that because you never know what can happen. Now, obviously I want to hear from you. If you have not left us a review yet, I really want to hear your feedback. So please head over to iTunes and let us know what your biggest takeaway of this episode is, or you can let me know in general what you like about this podcast or some of the ideas that you may have for us to grow and better the podcast. Also make sure to screenshot this episode today and tag me at Joel Solomon and our amazing guest at Kate Northup and hashtag the influencer podcast to let me know what your biggest takeaway is today. And guys, there are a lot. Welcome to the influencer podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist, brand building expert, speaker, and New York Times bestselling publicist. This is where I take you behind the scenes with today's top influencers, industry insiders, and entrepreneurs as they share step-by-step strategies to help you turn your online dreams into a purposeful and profitable business. Hi, Kate. I am so thrilled and honored and excited and all the things um, to have you here with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. 
Oh, this is going to be such an amazing conversation. Um, so I actually, I, we have a lot of mutual friends, which is amazing. And it's kind of what got us together in this moment in time to connect. But I think I stumbled upon you. This was years ago. It might've been a Marie Forleo show. And I just fell in love with you and your message and your content. You were talking about money at the time. And it was just, it was like, you, you were me. You were like mm-hmm. talking to me as I was like, yes, yes, me too, me too, me too. And from that, just really kind of started to follow all of the incredible work that you do and all of the amazing books that you have written um, and just who you are as, as a human, which is pretty awesome. So for those that may not have gotten to dive into you yet, um, I would love for you to kind of share a little bit of who you are and, and kind of what all the amazing things that you've done, but what got us here today and into really um, what we're going to step into today, which is your new book, Do Less, which is going to be fantastic. Great. Well, I'll, I'll just, you know, it's always one of those things like how much information. Right. Long story though. Right. <laughs> sure. um, so I'll start uh, with, you know, my first book was called Money, A Love Story. And it, it talks about um, the story of how I got myself into a bunch of debt and how I, I healed my relationship with money. And it takes people through a process that I've taken um, hundreds of female entrepreneurs through. Um, although, by the way, it totally applies to everybody. Um, like all the it's things. incredible. Too. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, really incredible. Oh, thank you. To, to, because here's the thing, like when it comes, I know this, we're not talking really about money this episode, but here's the thing, like my work is about women and worth. And so while the conversation I'm having these days has to do with time, the conversation around money is the same conversation. So my roots run deep when it comes to women and worth. And what I realized with myself and with the women I was working with is that if they, if we weren't getting our relationship with our own worth right, or not right, because I don't think you can really do it right, but like deepening that relationship, then we would never actually take the financial steps we needed to take. And, and, you know, anybody who's read like every personal finance book under the sun, but hasn't been able to really like get it together financially knows that that's true because what's between us and our prosperity is the healing work that we need to do around money and worth. And so then I wrote that book and, um, and, and, you know, just kind of went on a journey of figuring out what, what it's, what it is to be an author, what it is to be an entrepreneur, you know, there's no rule book. So I just figuring it out. And then, um, I got pregnant and I was, have never been so forced to slow down in my life. I mean, I am a fast mover. I just love to do stuff. I'm very busy. I have a million ideas. Like I just had, had never slowed down in my life. And my pregnancy forced me to. I've never been, it was so exhausting. And everyone kept saying like, oh, well, during your second trimester, you'll feel this great burst of energy. My one girlfriend was like, I wrote five book proposals during my second trimester. And I was like, oh, okay, awesome. So wow. excited. And I just was so tired the whole time. (laughs) I couldn't function unless I was taking like three hour naps every day. Mm. But the thing is, as an entrepreneur and my husband and I run a company together, it wasn't like there was maternity leave or anything to fall back on. So I needed to keep the financial results the same. So basically it was like, well, how can I keep the financial results the same while napping? Or while, you know, and then in the first year of motherhood, it was completely kicked my butt. And um, we only had 10 hours of childcare a week and my baby was sick and it was, it was kind of a horror show. So, um, 
so anyway, same thing though. I needed to figure out like, okay, well, with all of this happening and with my work hours massively condensed and with my emotional energy, you know, really being devoted to my kid, how can we keep our business going? And I was able to, um, we were able to keep our business solid and, and have it not collapse, which was shocking to me given how little we were working compared to how we, how much we had worked before. And so then I retroactively went back and was like, okay, well, what happened here? How, how can I codify this? How can I create a system out of this? And how can I, um, how can I do it more on purpose and more mindfully now that I'm not in the throes and the drama and chaos of early motherhood? And well, yes, I am. I still have, <laughs> I still have a three and a half year old and an 11 month old, but yeah. like it's slightly less chaotic. And then how can I share that with other people? Because I know I'm not the only one who has a tendency to overwork. And it's rampant in our culture. And so um, that led me to the work I'm doing now, which is really around the feminine principles of time and energy management and how we can do less and have more. Mm. And it's, it's so, it's so needed because even, you know, even this morning, I, me and my husband have been traveling um, back and forth to Tennessee, which is where I'm originally from. And I've been, you know, just doing more traveling than I normally do. And, And I tend to have like this very like set morning ritual. And if I don't do it, it, you know, I start to get the guilt and, you know, it throws my day off and I can't get all the things in. And I remember that I allowed myself to quote unquote sleep in this morning, which I never do, but we've been traveling so much that I needed it. And I immediately went into that feeling of like, you know, well, I didn't, I didn't do my morning pages and I haven't read my devotionals and I didn't, you know, it was like, I was getting so heady in all of the stuff that I didn't do. And that guilt kind of started to set in. And I, I felt like it was so timely because I started laughing because I knew that I was going to be talking to you today, but <laughs> it reminded me of that idea that, you know, we do have this belief system and especially as women and and mothers that, um, doing, you know, is, is, is more important than being. And Mm. the more and more that we do, the more and more that we produce, you know, the more and more that we will be accepted and, you know, seen as, you know, viable in society and successful and what have you. But a lot of times I feel like it's like, I can't, do more. I mean, if I lean in anymore, I'm going to fall over, you know? Yeah. So it's like, how do I, how do I find the, the balance in that? So I would love if you would kind of share a little bit of what, I mean, and your book really lays it out. You've done a lot of really, I mean, quantitative data to support this, this, this belief of, of, of the system that you have created and, and that you now know and live by. So what have you kind of seen to be the biggest challenges or the biggest resentment factors, if you will, for women, just like you and I, who may conceptually know like, yes, I need to do less, but have no idea how to do that. Yeah, this is great. Well, so it's kind of a, it's a repatterning process because there's a couple things going on. Number one, our society celebrates doing. Our society celebrates being industrious and getting things done and being able to do things by yourself. I mean, I was raised with a very strong New England work ethic, very pure, you know, puritanical, like um, just just put your head down and grin and bear it. And that there's there's kind of like that suffering and and pushing really buys us something, and that there's this inherent worth just from kind of the the grinning and bearing it. And so there's that going on and that our culture celebrates, you know, busyness as a badge of honor. And then there's the other piece, which is a slight shade of gray for women, which is that, you know, uh, having trouble doing math right now, but like, let's say 25 years ago, 
or 30 years ago when my mother was one of the first doctors who were female of, you know, at, at all, right, of her generation for sure. She had to prove why she could be there taking a seat and why she was, she deserved to take the seat of a man. Like that was the mindset at that mm. time. And we're only one generation away from that. You know, I don't know if you saw the recent um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, not yeah. the documentary, but the one with actors. I don't know if that yes. sounds silly, but you know what I'm yes. talking about. Um, yep. And and in that scene where she ha- has to go around the table at Yale Law, the women who are admitted explaining why they deserve to take a man's seat. And so that is not that far from where we are in this moment. And so there is still this downloaded cellular br- blueprint that we are carrying around because epigenetics actually does tell us that you know our parents' experience lives in our DNA. And that part is real, that there's this part where we're trying so hard as women to prove that we even deserve to be here. Mm. And that runs really deep. Mm. It runs really deep through, you know, religious institutions, cultural institutions, economic institutions. And, um, and, and so while this book is about time management and my work is about time management, it's really about so much more than that and and a deep reckoning with our society and how we hold women and how we can be begin to unravel and lean out and really begin mm-hmm. to unravel this compulsive proving that we do through doing mm. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business Business for sponsoring the show. And I just had like, I don't know how to hit. Like I had, when you were saying, I was, I had this aha, if you will, if I was Oprah, that <laughs> what I also heard you saying is like, by, by continuing this on, right, this lineage of what our mothers or their mothers or what have you had done, it's kind of like, we are more, that's kind of showing love and loyalty to them. But like, mm-hmm. I will continue to think yeah. and feel and behave, behave this way because that's the, that's the loyalty of the lineage. That's a very profound thought. I love that you brought that up. And there there are these things that we do, like to stay small mm. or to... Um, absolutely. I mean, this is a very real thing. And I think it's quite common um, amongst people who don't come from a family of entrepreneurs, let's say, and are going out on their own and have big dreams. But there's this fear. It's the tall poppy syndrome of 
okay, well, if I really go for it and if I become as powerful as I can be, as I, if I become as influential as I can be, or as, as, um, you know, as wealthy or prosperous as I can be, then somehow I'll be dishonoring my family. Mm. And that's also real because there's actually data. Um, Dr. Mario Martinez in his book, The Mind Body Code, talks about the the results that we get out of breaking out of the lineage and and sort of the backlash, which is um, which is actually shaming families, you know, families or or groups of people where we belong. There's shaming behavior when we break out, and there's betrayal. Um, and that's really real. Like we as humans are herd creatures and we are wired for belonging. And so of course we would want to, we would want to, um, you know, stay in the family way, like stay in the family way. That's not what I meant to say. (laughs) (laughs) Of course we would want to like stay on the path, right. So that we have that sense of belonging, but, but in order, I believe I I just saw, um, Dr. Tara Rye Trent speak this past weekend. She wrote the awakened woman, such a powerful, um, woman from Zimbabwe who, who builds schools. And she talked about the batons that she decided not to carry on the baton and pass it along of poverty and illiteracy and Mm -hmm. the different batons that we pass along to our children. And, um, I think that that is a conscious decision that we have to make to say, okay, I can honor my parents. I can honor where I've come from. I can honor the women who've come before me without living their same life. Mm. It's so good. And it's, it's literally, um, it's a, it's a re- reframing of our brain of, of a belief system yes. in a lot of ways. It's deep work. Yeah. yeah, It's really yeah. deep work. Um, and I know, and there was one thing that you, that you had mentioned in the book that when you were kind of going through this yourself, one of the things that it made you realize is that you said my power and worth go far beyond the list of things I had accomplished by the end of the workday. And that is, I, I loved the, the words power, worth, and accomplishment <laughs> kind of in, in one thing that that's, I, I just felt so drawn to that because I, I, you know, I've lived a life that way. Like I, I love lists. I love to check them off. Um, it does make me feel accomplished and I do tie my power and my worth a lot to that. For someone who may also feel that way, how, you know, what would be the first steps or, you know, the, the first moments that you realized um, how in which you could start unraveling that? Hmm. So I, you know, for me, my schedule is the deepest place of this work. You know, it seems kind of like the minutia, but I find profound, I, I'm able to create the most profound shifts in myself. And this is what I find with the women that I work with um, in, in my membership and in the various ways I work with people, that it's actually through the details of our daily life that we make these profound shifts. So, so what I recommend is, or how I, how I found it for myself was to consciously build in space where I didn't have something scheduled, where I could just kind of do nothing. And by the way, I don't mean actually doing nothing. Um, although I did have a coach once who gave me that assignment and it was one of the most painful things I've ever done. I did too. My therapist one time told me to do nothing. And I was like, that sounds like the most exhausting thing. Yeah. Yeah, It was awful. It was awful. (laughs) But I will say part of, so another layer that's going on here with the busyness and with the obsession with doing is that busyness and productivity, maybe not productivity, but being in action can be a numbing behavior. So 
there's a lot of numbing behaviors, you know, scrolling our phones, drinking, um, smoking pot, having sex. I mean, there's so shopping, there's just eating. There's a lot of numbing behavior. And sometimes busyness can be one of those numbing behaviors. And the tricky thing is if you sense that maybe you are a little bit addicted to being in action and you are avoiding stillness because there are some feelings that you don't want to feel, it's tricky because we still have to pay the mortgage and like buy groceries. So it's not like you can just abstain from that behavior. Um, And so it's really getting into right relationship with our productivity. So I recommend building a little bit of wiggle room into your schedule. And it doesn't have to be anything major. I'm talking like five minutes to sit and breathe in the morning or instead of scheduling your appointments back to back, scheduling them 15 minutes apart so you have a minute to breathe. Mm. That's it. I mean, it doesn't have to be like some massive overhaul of your life. I think the wins here are very small and incremental. Yeah. And it's, but they can be so foreign. I mean, I even remember one time a girlfriend was like, just take a bath. And I was like, you want me to take a bath? Okay. So like I get in the bath and I just, I just sit in the bath. Like I don't listen to music or and she's like, yeah, just get in the bath. And I'm like, okay, I think I can do that. Sounds a little, tra- you know, and it's like, it's something as simple as that, but we yeah. we're so attached to this idea of doing and hustling. And, and I want to, to dive into a little bit more of that. Cause what you, in part two of the book, you call them experiments, which I, I just love that you use that word, the do less experiment. Um, there's a few of the experiments that I, I want to kind of, um, dive deeper into with you today. But the first one really that stuck out for me, because I never, I never really, really knew this was about tracking our cycles and the moon, which for some people, they're like, what does my cycle have anything to do with the moon? What are you, what's going on? But as I was reading, even you were talking about the term hysteria comes from the Greek word uterus, Mm -hmm. which I just found so fascinating. I would love for you to kind of dive into why is this component of understanding your cycle, tracking your cycle, and 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 the you know kind of that twenty eight day cycle, if you will, with the moon have to do with us doing less and being able to put us in that in that frame of mind, body, and spirit in order to do less? Great. So our brain is affected by hormones, and women cycle uh, very differently than men. We know that already, but men cycle hormonally on a twenty four hour cycle. Women cycle hormonally very predictably on a 28-day-ish cycle. Our whole world, of course, is set up for the 24-hour cycle. And then women are told that they're crazy because (laughs) we're not the same every single day. Right. And that's totally normal and beautiful and healthy, but we are incredibly predictable. And so the thing is, our brain is wired hormonally to be primed for different kinds of activities at different times of the month. And when we schedule our time accordingly and we start to pay attention to that, it's like we get, um, you know, it's like rocket fuel for our productivity because when you do the right thing at the right time, when your brain is primed to be doing that thing, you get a lot more done a lot more quickly and it's just, it feels better as opposed to like pushing a boulder up a hill, you just roll the boulder down the hill. (laughs) I mean, that's essentially what it feels like. Mm. And for those who maybe have an irregular cycle or, you know, aren't cycling, or even if you're a man and you're listening, we all have the moon and it actually has, it mimics the, um, a woman's cycle perfectly with four phases that are, that are the same as, as a woman's cycle. And so here's, here's kind of the breakdown. 
Um, by the way, they, the four phases have the same energy as the four seasons. So that's really easy to explain and understand and remember. And the reason why I'm so excited about this is because we as human beings are animals. We are made from nature. And the fact that nature has these cycles and seasons already pre-built in and our bodies came from this, like our bodies are made this way. So it's a pre-baked in time management system where you don't have to go searching for the next big planner that some freaking person just created out of their mind. You know, <laughs> It'll actually work because it's sourced from inside of you. So the four phases of the menstrual cycle, the moon, basically are, there's kind of the springtime energy and that's your follicular phase. That's right after you have your period. It's your follicular phase. It's the same as the waxing moon. So it's that springtime new beginning initiation energy. And as entrepreneurs, we love this energy, right? Starting things like ideas. How much fun is that? And then the next phase is um, ovulation. And it's the same energy as the peak of summer. And it's the same energy as the full moon. So that's a time of like launching things, being on stage. Um, you know, I know you recently had a podcast episode of, of, about speaking and really like nailing your speaking gigs. That's a visibility podcast episode. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the next phase. So the next two phases are the ones that we skip as entrepreneurs and honestly, just as people in this culture. And this is really what my work is about. This is why I call it do less. The next phase is I call it, um, I call it culmination if you're looking at your projects, but in your cycle, it's called the luteal phase. And, and with the moon, it's the, it's the waning moon when the moon is getting smaller and it's the same energy as autumn. So it's that cozy turning within energy. It's kind of detail oriented. It's like wrapping things up, making finishing things. And how often as entrepreneurs do we start things and then launch them and then we don't really bring them to completion and then we just right. start the next thing, right? Mm -hmm. And then we get burned out and we wonder why we're not making as much money as we want to or why you know why things aren't working. It's because we've started 25 million projects but haven't finished a darn thing. And then the last phase um, of your of your cycle as a woman is is really the menstrual phase. It's it's when you're actually having your period, but it's the same energy as the new moon. It's that winter time energy. So it's the time for the pause. It's the time for restoration, reflection, um, and research. Like if you're scheduling your time around your around your cycle, it's a great time for research, reflection, um, and really looking at like. And, and listening within, because actually during that time, your brain is the most wired for deep intuition and insight. You'll actually be your smartest and get your best ideas and your best solutions during that time. Um, so when you can begin to track your cycle and organize your time accordingly... Now, by the way, this is not a science. It's not like I do all of my planning tasks during my follicular phase. Like Life just doesn't really work that way and neither does business. But even five to ten percent of your tasks, you know, building that in, and then and then building in the time. For me, the biggest realization, and and for the women I work with, the biggest realization has been strategically building in the the time around wrapping projects up, and then the pause. The, mm. the pause is so huge, and actually, the data supports that when we take breaks frequently and on an organized cyclical schedule we actually are more focused and we get more done in less time when mm. we are actually working. So it's kind of like you could literally look at your ovulation month, you know, your, your cycle, if you will, like a mm -hmm. month of it and then say, okay, so this is going to be, you know, the follicular, this is my planning, brainstorming, new beginnings, 
time. Yep. And then my, when I'm ovulating, this is when I need to be collaborating, getting out there, connecting with people, communicating that sort of thing. And then my luteal. So after ovulation is kind of when you're wrapping it all up in a pretty bow. And then when you're actually and you're menstrual, then you can, that's when you just rest and you don't want to be like pushing yourself or forcing yourself to to be out there and do things. Cause it's, it's actually going against the, what your body is going against your body. Yeah. Yeah. That's why like the, you know, the feminine hygiene ads drive me insane because it's like, you know, it's like, (laughs) of of course, am I so grateful for technology that allows, you know, and products that allow me to like be out in the world? Of course, of course. And I understand there are women who don't have access to those things. and, And so, you know, I get what a revolution it is. And also I think the next layer is to be teaching women that yes, while you could run a marathon while you have your period, that's actually counterintuitive. And over time, you will do a number on your health when Mm. you continue to push through your body's um, wisdom month after month after month after month. But here's here's what else is cool that um, I think a lot of women don't realize. So uh, PMS, right, is is a is a quote unquote diagnosis. It's a syndrome, and you know, you listening, you might struggle with um, with crankiness, irritability, you know, all all kinds of things at that time, and that's the luteal phase. But the wisdom that's coming through at that time, like we are designed, our bodies are designed to inform our month so that every critical thing that needs to get done, gets done. There's this great quote that I love. It's from Lao Tzu. It says, nature never rushes, yet everything gets done. Mm. So this blueprint organizes it for us. And during that luteal time, which our culture likes to call BMS, but that's like one of the ways that women get talked out of what we know to be true. Because at that time, your brain is going to be wired hormonally to put more attention on what's not working than what is working. And it's just the way our hormones are. And here's the deal. When you're looking at your business, when you're looking at your partnership, your marriage, your, you know, the way you're mothering, you know, whatever else you're looking at in your life, the things that irritate you during that time of the month are real. You are not crazy. The world will have you believe that like you need to be medicated or something, but you can trust yourself during that time. It's just that the volume of those feelings will be turned way up. <laughs> but that's the opportunity to then look at the next uh, round through the cycle to really look at like, oh, wow, I really... Cause last, last time I had my cycle, I was, um, I was so irritated about so many things in my business and with my husband during that luteal phase. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, okay, this I'm just taking notes. I don't need to fix it right now, but I'm just taking notes because I can trust this information. And then during this next time around, I'm, I'm working on... Um, tweaking some of those things so that they work better. So I consider it, you know, a very loud inner guidance for what needs my attention. And and I hope that, you know, if you're listening, you'll consider it that as well and and stop trying to medicate it or silence it because it's actually really important information for your growth. Mm, that's great. Um, what if you are pregnant? How would yes. this apply? It to- I'm so glad you asked. Um, most of the time that I've been doing this work, I've been either pregnant or nursing and, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and not had a cycle. So, right. um, and so for women, let's say, you know, you've had a hysterectomy or, you know, there's so many reasons why you might not be cycling. Um, and so that's why I like talking about the moon because 
actually the data shows that human behavior and animal behavior is affected by the moon. Um, emergency room visits go up at the, at the full moon. Yes. Um, a lot of crime rates go up at the full moon, like things happen. And we know the tides are affected by the moon and our bodies are like 70% water. And so of course, you know, our bodies would be affected by the moon. So I, I love to follow and track um, that way. And it's actually, to be honest, it's a little more predictable because sometimes as women, our cycles do shift. Um, and so tracking the moon, and I have it downloaded right onto my Google calendar, the lunar phases. You can just Google how to do that. It's free. It's easy. Um, and so I look at like each week when I do my Monday planning ritual, I look at what phase is the moon in. Okay. So if this is a new moon phase, then this is going to be a time for, um, for like more rest. I happen to have noticed, and this is while I was pregnant and nursing, and um, I noticed that I am a little more spacey during the new moon. Like I'm a little more, um, I'm just less verbal, I guess is all I can say. (laughs) And so that's great to know. So that's not going to be the time that I'm going to push through and record like 25 videos, right? right? Right. But during the full moon, I am chatty Kathy and very, very fluent verbally. And so that would be a great time. So everybody, I do recommend um, tracking your own energy over about a 90-day period in concert with either your cycle or the moon so that, and I have a daily energy tracker that I um, that's in the book. So you can grab that um, where you can go through so that you begin to know who you are every day in a cyclical way so that you can then schedule your life according to that. So if you know on like day 20 of your cycle, or if you know, you know, when the moon is, is almost, um, almost new that you just really don't want to talk to anybody and you're cranky, that's fine. Just don't schedule meetings on that day and like ask your husband to make dinner. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it's right. like not rocket science, just get the support you need. But it's for so many of us, it, it, it's just, I don't, it, it is, it's hard. It's just, it's that rewiring. Um, thank you for walking us through that because I, I find that so fascinating and so helpful. And it's like, I'm already going to be doing this with my own cycle and tracking this and, and even just trying to plan things a little bit more effectively. Um, you know, if there's weeks that I have to do a webinar or, you know, uh, podcasting or what have you to make sure it's, it's a time that I can really show up as my best self, um, and my most, you know, productive self. And, and then when I can't like really giving me that time to rest, I think is huge. Yeah. And I also do want to just give a shout out to Elisa Viti, who wrote a great book called woman code. And if you are struggling with your cycle, um, she talks a lot about this, what she calls cycle syncing, but then also the things that you can do to, to through functional medicine to heal your cycle. So that's, I don't do that work, but she does. Awesome. Um, so that was experiment one. Um, I want to talk about experiment, experiment number five, which is receiving help because, mm. oh, oh, this is <laughs> such a big one. Um, you, you mentioned, and I just want to pull from the book, um, you, you said, um, this is the place where I feel stretched when it comes to receiving help. I don't want my emotional needs to be burdened on anyone. I don't mind saying yes when help is offered for something logistical, like assisting me with food or for a party. But when it comes to dealing with something around family dynamics or self-doubt, I get scared to receive help because I'm afraid my friends or family will feel responsible for my emotional well-being or that they'll see me as heaven falling apart. Oh my gosh. I think that so many of us can relate to this fully. I mean, I know that's one of the reasons why I don't 
receive help. And, you know, receiving help and asking for help is different. And, and that's actually experiment number six that you, you go into kind of asking for help. But that idea of receiving help, I would love to dive into that a little bit more and, you know, why it's so hard for women to receive help, you know, why we feel so much guilt and shame and, and fear around receiving help, and then tips that you have to overcome that. Thank you. Great question. So I'm glad this part resonated with you. Um, you know, it's definitely is still a growth edge for me as well. And so again, I think it's still partially our, our hangover. Um, even though we're in third wave feminism, it's still that hangover of proving that we are worthy enough to take a man's spot, quote unquote, even though I don't believe that's what we're doing. There's still kind of that inheritance that we have. And so there is a tendency of women to overdo things because we're trying to prove that we can do it all because there's still that idea that we should be able to do more um, to prove that we're worth it. And then there's also an element where, um, you know, the whole concept of lean in, let's say, is this idea that to get ahead, women need to be more aggressive, more assertive, and actually to embody more masculine traits. And we all have the feminine and the masculine within us. So this is not about a male-female thing. But I actually don't personally believe that the best solution for us is to be better at embodying masculine traits. I think that the solution is to be better at embodying more feminine traits because, um, and by the way, in men as well, I think we all need healing through being more in our feminine, um, many of us. And of course, you know, the ideal is the dance between both the masculine and the feminine. So one is not better than the other, Mm. but in our culture, the masculine has been over celebrated and over developed. And that's the doing, the producing, the getting out there. Um, and so the feminine part of it is receiving and, the unfortunate cases that we've been taught through modeling and also just straight up, you know, verbally taught that when we need help, we are weak. It's that, it's that scary place of vulnerability. You know, Brene Brown does amazing research about this Mm -hmm. and it's actually rewiring ourselves to realize, and this, the data does actually show this, that when we are willing to be vulnerable, and by the way, receiving help is a very practical way to be vulnerable as is asking for help. It actually increases a feeling of connection and belonging in our life. So it's the place that we're scared to go that is going to give us the biggest payoff in terms of the feelings that we actually want. Um, and so I recommend, you know, for me, it's like, I always think about my friend Noah, who is such a love in my life. And he is like, honey, call me anytime. Like if you're struggling, you know, call me anytime. And just honestly, over the last couple of months, I have actually started to do it. Mm. And I will tell you, I have known him for 20 years. We've been friends and our friendship is so much stronger now. And it's like, he has also incredible ideas, you know, and he's been incredibly helpful and has guided me through some, some very trying times. And I know it's such a gift for him to do that. And he tells me that a lot. Mm. And when we give others the opportunity to, to be a stand for us, to hold space for us, especially if you are listening to this podcast, you're probably quite achievement oriented and pretty good at seeming like you have it all together. Mm. Um, we are the people who 
I think, I mean, I hate that, I hope this doesn't sound conceited, but we are the people, those of us who really like to seem like we have it all together, where it's the biggest honor for somebody else to hold space. And I know this because I have other friends like me, where when they do let their guard down and ask for help, I'm like, oh my God, it's like, you know, it's like honey going through my veins. It just feels so good to be able to be there for them. Ugh, it's so true. And I just, I'm like over here like, yes, yes, yes. But there, <laughs> there's a gift in receiving help just as much as asking for help or giving help to others. Yes. I think that it's such a, it's such an important piece to it. And I, and I love that you, that you dive into that and, and, and just really how just the little things that we can start doing, just let people show up and, 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 and do that for us. Is huge. Yeah, it can be as simple as letting somebody open the door for you. I mean, this again, like I am about small wins. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And it was, I was just on a, a trip with some girlfriends to Cabo and we were leaving and it was so, well, our mutual friend, Liz, writer, yeah. my husband had texted and was like, do you want me to pick you up from the airport? And I was like, no, I'm fine. I'll just Uber. You know, I don't want to get to get in the traffic, da, da, da. And Liz was like, Julie, like, even though you could totally handle that, like maybe just say yes. Yeah. Because he also wants to make you happy right. and he wants to show up for you. Right. He's, she's yeah. like, just, just be like, yeah, you can pick me up. Cool. Yeah. I receive. Thank you. <laughs> as simple yeah, like, as that. When, this is a really big one. When somebody offers to pay for your coffee or pay for dinner, instead of doing the fight about like, oh, no, 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 no. Like you, you don't have to, you can't just say, oh my gosh, that's so nice of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah it's huge. Um, okay. Jumping to experiment number, number 11, which is about streamlining your to-do list. Oh, I, I know that. Yes. So do I. And I know for a fact that these listeners are to-do list people. They are to-do list, predominantly women. They love a list. Who doesn't love a list? I love a list. You love a list. It's all in this book. You have so many actionable lists and bullet points and things that are amazing. But um, I want to I want to dive into this and I, and I want to pull from, um, from the streamlining, streamlining your to-do list and kind of what you do. So I'll read a little bit and I would love for you to kind of share a little bit more. Um, you said that when you write your to-do list for the week, you cut, you look up what's coming up for you on the calendar and, and you start to make a list. And if the list is longer than one half of, you know, a piece of paper, then it's too long, like an eight and a half by 11 inch piece of paper, which I thought was fascinating. But then you go into like a quick inventory that you do before you write down each item. You ask yourself, does this need to be done? Does this need to be done by me? And does this need to be done right now? How has, or, or how does approaching our to-do list in this way going to really help us and really really revolutionize our revolutionize our time and and how we are doing things throughout the day. So this is the same philosophy as if you want to eat less, serve yourself on a smaller plate. If you know, it's really simple right. psychology. Right. <laughs> if you want more space and time for the things that matter to you, just make your to-do list smaller. <laughs> I mean, I know that that sounds like so simple, but it is revolutionary. So I, I have a printout that I print out every single week and it's my and the universe's to-do list. And so literally half of one side of an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper is my to-do list. And if it gets longer than that, I know I don't have the space for that item and through trial and error, I have learned that one half of one side of a piece of paper is about what I can get done 
in a week. And I don't make a daily to-do list. And I'll tell you why. This is a big, this is big. Um, most people make a daily to-do list and then they just transfer everything over that they didn't get done the day before. And then their to-do list becomes this gargantuan list of anything they could ever think of possibly ever to do ever. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge source of anxiety and overwhelm. Right. And like, who and wants so common. to live that way? <laughs> right. But I'm like, oh yeah, like who doesn't do that? You know, it's like, it's so common. It's so common, but it's so counterproductive because right. looking at the entire spectrum of everything you have on your plate at any given time and all the possible things you could have on your plate is going to, it's paralyzing and it's going to make you feel like you're always failing and always behind and, and totally put your central nervous system out of whack and probably give you adrenal fatigue. So <laughs> instead, um, now I will say we have as a company, we, we, we have a project management software called teamwork. Mm-hmm. So our projects and like future tasks and all the things are stored in that. So it's not like I don't have them somewhere. I just don't look at them all day, every day. Right. And I just look at only the ones that I need to. And so So the to-do list, the asking ourselves, does this need to be done? Does this need to be done by me? And does this need to be done right now? Gets us really honest about the tendency to just put things down on the to-do list to get them out of our heads, thinking that it's going to help with the anxiety. Mm. And it actually adds to the anxiety. Mm. So instead, I do recommend having like a project management software where where ideas get stored, where future tasks get stored, so that it's held somewhere, but not in your brain and not on your to-do list. So that your to-do list really becomes a much more focused um, thing of what's happening this week. And the reason for the week also is that life is quite unexpected. So if you have kids, you know, they get sick, they need stuff, they whatever, you know, human beings are, are unpredictable, you know, chaos happens all the time. It's expected that unexpected things will happen every single week. And so I like to have a weekly to-do list because it gives me much more flexibility to know that these are the things that need to happen this week. And that, so if one of my kids is sick or if I'm just down for the count and and, and focused, or if, you know, some amazing opportunity arises that I need to attend to right away, it doesn't throw off my entire week because I have this wiggle room and this, this dance of time where if it doesn't happen on Monday, okay, well, it'll happen on Friday or, or whatever. So it like the tasks have some movement to them. Mm, it's so good. And it's, it's so, um, user-friendly <laughs> for lack of a better phrase yeah, based on real life. Yeah. It's so it's easily consumable. Um, and, and so easy to do. Um, so there are so many other experiments in this book, um, that I love. Um, the sur- surrender number 13 is amazing. Open the lines of communication was fantastic. Managing your energy, all of the good things that I want those listening right now to be able to dive into. So, where can they pick up this book? And I know that you actually have additional resources that kind of complement this this book that they can also grab as well. I do, yeah. So, you, if you just go to katenorthrop.com forward slash book, you will get um, a workshop on how to apply the 80-20 rule specifically to your life and your business. So you'll walk away with a list of the 20% that gets you 80% of the results and also a workshop on how to say no and set boundaries. So if that's a struggle for you um, and you're a recovering people pleaser like me, Mm -hmm. that workshop is going to be helpful. And then also um, some additional resources that you'll get over there. 
amazing. And, um, and this will, the book is, the book is out now that when, now that we're, when we're airing this, the book is out so they can, they can go ahead and grab it. And I do strongly recommend, um, for all of you that are listening, I, I know you very, very well. And I know that this book will absolutely help in so many different arenas and areas of your life. So Kate, before we wrap this up, um, what does influence mean to you? Uh, influence means to me, you know, I think influence is another word for power and power used for good. I mean, I think power can be used for bad, but, um, power, you know, the power to help people to take an action that is positive for their life, for their business. Mm -hmm. Um, to me, it's, you know, it's the ability to woo. (laughs) And I think it's one of the most powerful forces on the planet. Amazing. Um, so where can those listening learn more about you, um, follow you on social media? We're big social media people over here. We love to, um, screenshot episodes, DM, um, guests and, and kind of get that dialogue going after the episode ends. So where can we do that with you? Oh, perfect. So, um, I love Instagram. So you can head over to, uh, Instagram. Kate Northrup is, is my name on Instagram. And, um, I would love, you know, definitely share on your stories. Feel free to DM me, um, comment. That would be great. I'd love to connect. Yes. And of course, as always, when you do screenshot those episodes, just tag Kate and I both and let us know your biggest takeaway from our conversation today. I always love just to know the gleams that everyone um, pulls out and, and how they're going to apply that to their lives. So thank you again, Kate, so much for showing up and, and writing this amazing I mean, it's a book, but I feel like it's so much more. It's really um, a guidebook and an action plan and and a a workshop of sorts um, to really help us get to living life with more balance and more abundance um, and more joy. So thank you so much for that. You're so welcome. Thanks for having this conversation. Wanting even more influencer podcast goodness and to connect with like-minded influencers? Join our Facebook community for daily tips on how to up-level your business and chat with myself and other listeners. All you got to do is visit facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the influencer podcast to be a part of this wonderful community. Are you ready to create your own industry-leading influence? For show notes, downloads, and action-based tips, head to www.theinfluencerpodcast.com, where you can find out more about this week's episode, guest, and our host, Julie Solomon. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please take a minute to go to iTunes and leave a review so we can help other influencers like yourself build their own successful business.